Hey, welcome back to the Mission Focus Life podcast. My name is Tanner. I'm the pastor of Word of Life Church in Rock Island. With me is Tim Olofsson, executive director of Another Child Foundation. And uh, we are here to talk with you today about worship styles. Now, last week we talked a little bit about witnessing. Today we're going to change gears and we're going to talk about the different worship styles represented in the church. Now, Tim, I know that there's at least one or two years difference between us. So we probably have a little bit of a different uh, focus or maybe preferences in the way uh, we worship and the the music styles that we appreciate. So a question that I'd like to pose to our listeners today, and if you would, please leave a comment with your answer in that that comment section, is what is your favorite type of worship style in the church? Now, if you don't understand the question, are you someone that really likes the old hymns, or maybe you're someone that really cut your teeth spiritually on the music from the 80s and 90s, or maybe you're just a total contemporary fan, but you love the the new music from Bethel and Elevation Worship (laughs) and these groups that are out today that are just full band, big stage, awesome experience. What is it that really draws you closest to God? Tim, how about for you personally? What, what do you like the most? I think it's actually, a, it's a mix between, between all of them. I guess it's depending on my mood at the time. Uh, maybe it's the season. Maybe it's, you know, if it's a special holiday, if it's Easter or Christmas um, or Palm Sunday, you might more like the traditional type of, of hymns and songs that kind of remind you of, you know, your, your roots in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Probably more than anything right now, it's more the contemporary. I listen to a lot of contemporary Christian music, and that's what inspires me a lot. Um, between reading scripture and listening to music, those are the two things that really inspire me. So as far as my worship style, I would say I tend to lean more towards a contemporary um, music right now. Okay. You know, I, I like how you said that that mixture. And I'm, I'm probably in the same boat. I am a little bit younger, but... I became a Christian 20 years ago, and so the music that they were playing in 2000 is completely different from the music that we're playing in 2021. Yeah. And I had a, a youth pastor back then explain something to me that really helped me to understand the difference in styles. He said that back in the day when we sang the hymns primarily as the, as the main um, type of worship, we were singing songs about God. But the more contemporary music is singing songs to God. Yeah. So yeah. where we were singing songs about who he is, now we were singing songs more of relationally. Yeah. And I think both of those are important. You know, I'm someone that loves the old hymns. Mm-hmm. And we have a great worship team that they will sometimes take an older hymn and they will update it and yeah. make it a little bit new. I think that's a fun thing to do as well. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I tell you, those hymns, they're so strong lyrically and they have so much deep theology to them. But, you know, you had mentioned earlier when we were talking that sometimes when you read one of those old hymns or you sing them along, you don't even necessarily know the words. It's like reading the King James Version of the Bible, that old Elizabethan (laughs) English. You're like, all right, I'm not even sure what that word means, but it sounds pretty. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so that, I mean, so I think it's a good mixture. I like the idea of bringing a contemporary sound to an old, old uh, him. Yeah. That, that's really good. But that's kind of difficult to do at times, oh, um, sure. unless you're taking it off of, you know, Chris Tomlin or somebody like that, who's already done it and you're right. just duplicating that. Um, yeah. So I tell you what, though, having all of the different styles present as much as possible is really important. You know, our worship leaders, we, we have this ongoing conversation with our team that we need to be 
mindful of everybody that's in the congregation. So we have the new person coming in off the street who really doesn't know anything about praise and worship music. Then we have the people that have been saved for 50 years, and, and some of those folks really appreciate those older hymns. And then we have new believers who are, who are listening to K-Love and to Christian radio all the time, and, and they really want that, that new music, that new contemporary that is so, you know, it's fast-paced and it's big and it's all, several types of of instruments, you know, and it's, yeah. it's such a big production, but it's, it's also driving, you know. And so what we try to do in our services is we try to incorporate all of it. You know, we start out our service with a hymn just about every single week, and then we build up and we, we do different things. And once in a while, they throw in an oldie in from the 70s or 80s or 90s, mm-hmm. you know. And, but what's so cool to me is what we've, what we've observed is that when we will start off with an older song that a lot of people know, it gets engagement. People just automatically sing along. Like if you yeah. start playing Amazing Grace, people that haven't been to church but know old music, they're going to sing along with that. Yeah. And now you've got their heart, you've got their mind, and then you can ramp it up and really hit some of the, the more fast-paced stuff. Yeah, you kind of set the tone for the day when you give something that people can get into right away. Because I've been to some church services where it's, even though it's a contemporary song, I've never heard of the song. And if they don't have the words up on the screen, even if they're coming up at the right time, you find yourself struggling to, to worship in yeah. a way. And then you find yourself just sitting there and you're not participating. You're just, you're just watching it happen. Yeah. And so I think getting in people engaged uh, is, is the key. Because really it, is, it comes down to it's really all about uh, getting people to connect with God mm-hmm. and getting in that spirit of where your heart is prepared to hear uh, the message that's coming later. Absolutely. Well, and so much of it, too, is we have to remember in the church that we are here to serve people. So it's not just about the style that we like. It's not just about the sound that we prefer. You know, I was part of a, a church congregation for years that struggled. And the reason that they struggled was because they, they just had their music too loud. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that complaints in a lot of places, you know, where people go in and you can't even hear the person next to you talking and it's almost painful. And you know, people sit in their cars until the praise and worship is over. And man, that's, I don't care how good the preaching is. If you're, yeah. if you've got the music cranked up so loud that people can't enjoy it and they can't engage in the worship, that's not going to be healthy for your congregation. Yeah. It's about creating an atmosphere. You got to create the right atmosphere that's diverse enough to reach a high majority of the people in the yeah. audience. I mean, it's going to be tough to, to meet every person's need um, every Sunday. Uh, and some people mix it up. Sometimes they have a contemporary Sunday where it's all contemporary music, and then the next week they go back to a to a regular, more uh, traditional type service. Sure. And, and that's good, too. So it's not within one service, but it kind of meets the needs of, of everybody. And that's it's really about setting the atmosphere yeah. uh, for the day. I tell you the people that I appreciate so much in my congregation are, and it's typically people that skew a little bit older, you know, people that have been in church for a number of, a number of years, that have this attitude of, you know what, I don't care what it is, I'm going to do my best to enter in. Mm-hmm. You know, and they really try, even with the newer music, to, to get behind it and to engage because they know that the younger people are going to connect to it better. Yeah. And I mean, there's a heart behind that that says, okay, it's not always going to be my style. Because a lot of the music today, like I can, I can think back to the songs that I listened to when I first got saved, and they would almost sound cheesy by, by comparison, you know, by yeah. some of the things that we would sing now. But I love those old songs. And when mm-hmm. I hear them, I sing along and I belt, out, belt them out yeah. because it, it brings me back to a place of when things were new and fresh. 
to me. And those are good memories. Yeah. You know, I'm excited about what God is doing now because God's always doing something new. But, you know, being able to understand that, that not everything's always going to be about my preference, not everything's always mm-hmm. going to be about what I want or what I like. Man, if I can get past that, I can learn to worship in any atmosphere. Yeah. Question for you. Is it true that from, so when you're listening to people sing, and I'm obviously some people sing loudly and some people maybe just mouth the words like I do a lot of times. Is it true that the louder you sing, the better you sound? Oh, I, I definitely think that that's <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Um, especially if you're off key, the louder you sing off key, it just makes, it just, it's like angels um, coming into the room. Yeah, that, that's definitely helpful. That's encouraging to a lot of people, I'm sure, because yeah. I, if that is true, then I, I sing well because I sing loud in my car when I'm by myself. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. I listen to Caleb. So I'm a, probably a pretty good singer when I'm alone. Yeah, well, you know, the people that really just scream it out with abandon, that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely always the way that you should try. If, if you can't be heard over the person leading the worship, then you're not trying hard enough. And I always think it's the other part about the worship that I really like is, is when you have a lead singer, somebody up there leading, because some churches, uh, maybe they have one person up and they, they just kind of lead the music. And sometimes that kind of gets drowned out. Or, yeah. But I think having people up front that are really leading the song, and then you can feel f- comfortable singing and worshiping yeah. without it being like, okay, I hope nobody else can hear me sing. Yeah. So. yeah. so I think that's also a good question, though, for us to ask the people that are, that are watching today is, um, how, how do you feel? that a, a Christian should respond when they, they go into a church and they're doing music that is not something that they're used to or maybe not even in their preference? Like, is, should that person go and um, share their concerns with the worship leader or should that person just do their best to, to learn the new style and to, to maybe be willing to, to change a little bit? And I think if they approach it in the right way, it's like, hey, could we you know, try something different? Sure. Is there a time in which, because I know there's got to be somebody out there besides me that would love to hear, you know, like a, an old, you know, praise hymn yep. or something like that, that a little bit different than what we currently yeah. do. I know our church always does a, uh, a polka. Once a year, they do a polka and they bring in a brass band and uh, it's fun to okay. do it once in a while. Would I want to do that every week? Probably not. But once a year, they bring in this and it's a totally different style. Um, but I know there's a lot of people in our congregation that enjoy that because it's just different. So I think variety is, is always good. So now I'm just imagining John Candy <laughs> on the stage with his polka band from Home Alone. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's what's in my brain yeah. right now. So, <laughs> you know, what's so interesting to me, though, is we are often so afraid of change. And I think that many times we try to over-spiritualize change and we try to hang on to things that are tradition and things that are from the past just because we're comfortable with them, not because they were God's way. Mm -hmm. You know, I think every generation feels like they have figured out the spiritual formula, you know, the whatever your liturgy might be, you know, whether it's something that's written down or if it's just something that that's kind of naturally developed over time, you know, depending on what kind of a worship style or worship service you have. You know, we like to think, all right, we've got it figured out the way the way the church was meant to happen. Yeah. And I think we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> that doesn't look anything like what we were doing on Sunday morning. Yeah. But I, I think God's okay with that. And I'm sure God looks down at us quite often thinking, 
these thick guys think they have it figured out, and they really don't have. Nobody has it figured out. Yeah. They really don't have a clue. And so when we do get there, uh, it'll be kind of good to know that this is the proper way to, Absolutely. to worship. So a question I have for you also is: a lot of people in churches they consider there's two different things. One is you guys say you guys. When I say you guys, Word of Life and other churches that I go to, you do worship for the first 20 minutes where you basically you just worship. You sing four or five songs. Everybody sings. They stand. And then they sit down. And then you get into the uh, the service more where mm-hmm. you know the pastor will come up and give a, a typically longer sermon. But there's other churches that maybe sing an opening hymn. And then they have liturgy. They'll, they'll do the Apostles' Creed. And they'll, they'll say some prayers throughout the service. Um, so those are d- different worship styles, too. Mm-hmm. It's not just necessarily worship at the start and then have a message um so i kind of like both both i kind of i like the idea of having the time in which we um we say the lord's prayer together because when i'm outside of my church where we do that on a weekly basis i kind of miss that part of it Mm -hmm. uh so that liturgy so describe to me a little bit more about liturgy the different liturgy styles of the churches might have well you're setting me up for an area that i'm not too familiar with to be honest so um, when I was a young man, uh, before I was a Christian, I would, we would occasionally go to church, and it was typically Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. And so your Baptist church would typically have the type of liturgy like you just talked about with us. So you have your time of, of worship, and then you have your time of the Word. Um, here at Word of Life, we have three elements to our service. So we start out with worship, like, and that's praise and worship focused. Yep. And then we have the Word, which is... Um, and that can include, you know, your announcements and your tithes and offering and, you know, some of those things and then your sermon. And then we have a time that we call waiting on God to where at the end of the service, we just if people need to go home. They can. But we invite people to just stick around and just to listen to the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them, to move. Um, we invite people to come forward for prayer. We have a prayer team down in front of the altar. So that's kind of our natural liturgy that we've developed over time. But I think what you're talking about is more of your liturgical churches. They incorporate more of the traditional or ancient elements that that the church has used throughout time and history. And I agree. Some of that stuff can be very, very beautiful, um, especially when you are incorporating in the Lord's Prayer or you're, you know, you're you're speaking the the Apostles Creed and you're you're doing those Mm -hmm. unifying elements that that people have come to recognize and they've also come to expect. So the pros that I see from a more liturgical church is that people know what to expect. And I think sometimes expectation creates flow to where people are able to just naturally flow from one element to another. Another very positive aspect that I see is that you are engaging in something like communion, if you're doing that weekly, Mm -hmm. that the church has been doing together, the Big C Church, for 2,000 years. So it's connecting believers with practices that other people have in common. So it doesn't matter where you go, um, you have an element in common with another believer. Mm -hmm. The weakness that I see of that more liturgical setting is that it can become so rote that people just do it mindlessly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It just becomes routine and things that become overly routine, they, they can lose their significance. They can lose their meaning. And I think people will sit there and they will watch their clock or they will just time the service based on, okay, well, I know what's coming next. So once we get through this, I get to get in the car and yep. go to lunch. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that they lay out, the, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it's, it becomes a checklist almost yeah. that we do this, we do this, we do this, and then I can leave. Yeah. Um, 
And, and also the sermon time. That's the other thing I found refreshing with uh, some of the other churches I've gone to is a little bit longer sermon time. Sometimes I'm, I'm listening to pastors. A lot of pastors I listen to, whether they do a 15-minute sermon or a 40-minute sermon, you, know, I, you want them to keep going. Um, but I, I kind of like the idea of, of, of a longer sermon time because I know there's, there's a lot of differences in how mm-hmm. long people, because if you have this set... Uh, program for the day, you only have 15 minutes for, for a sermon where if you can do 20 minutes of worship, 20 minutes of you know, other things, and you can maybe speak for a little bit longer on yeah. that. And, and I, I, I always love the pastors that can really make that, that 30, 40 minute sermon seem like 10 minutes. And sure. there are some that really do that well. And, uh, so, and then there's some that just make you pray that they're going to be done at some point so you can just <laughs> move on. And I'm sure there's good pastors that have those Sundays oh, like that. Too. Every single pastor has those Sundays. Every single pastor has that moment where they're looking at their notes and they're going, man, I'm only halfway into this and I want to be, I want it to be over right now. Yeah. So do you ever notice people out there falling asleep? Oh, all the you... time. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. happens. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm pretty loud and I use a lot of illustrations and, you know, I move around a lot. So Mm -hmm. um, if you can fall asleep in one of our church services, you want it. Yeah. Like, so you've earned, you've earned that cat nap. That or you've had a rough night the night before. That's always a possibility too. (laughs) You know, something that I find interesting, and and this is an area that we have been um, critiqued on. We uh, we're part of a a church network with um, Gateway Church down in Dallas, Texas, Mm -hmm. Pastor Robert Morris's church. And um, they, they send staff up here a couple times a year to do site visits, and they meet with our leadership team. And one of the things that they critiqued us on when they were here last fall was the length of our service. Because we, our typical length of a service back then was about an hour and 30, hour and 40 minutes. Okay. And we had cut that down from, you know, 10 years prior that a normal church service was two hours. You know, it wasn't that long ago, whenever I first became a believer 20 years ago, that a church service in a typical charismatic type church would go two, two and a half hours. And if Mm -hmm. the spirit was really moving, you could be there three hours. Well, people's attention spans are just not there anymore. They just aren't. And so one of the things that they encouraged us to do was to cut down our services, especially keeping in mind that a lot of people that were coming in are believers, but they don't necessarily have the same level of understanding. So that's why we changed up some of the elements of our service, and we do that time of waiting at the end. Because we really prioritize the Word of God. We believe that we need that time in the Word, that that is, that that is absolutely necessary. So we didn't want it to be third on our list because a lot of times then if you're going to cut something you're going to cut that last thing short and so we we have that time of of praise and worship at the beginning for us it's typically 20 to 25 minutes and then we go into that time of the word and again that's we've we're really working on a a window of 30 to 35 minutes now for that message but then we have that waiting time at the end and it's it's just an open door as long as people are responding we're going to keep we're going to keep praying we're going to keep singing we're going to keep worshiping Um, but I think churches have had to make some adjustments in that. And it's not always comfortable because there's so many things in a service that we enjoy, you know, but other churches, I mean, especially some liturgical churches, they think hour and a half service and they're like, what do you do with the other 45 minutes? Mm -hmm. You know? So again, that's a different type of worship style. Yeah. Yeah. Can I push back a little bit on the, on the, the thought process of, of attention spans? Because And this is just a thought and process as I'm thinking this, because we binge watch. I mean, we'll sit down and we'll watch four hours of Breaking Bad or some TV show we want to watch. And my son and I are watching Lost right now, going back a few years. And we'll sit there and we'll watch 
four, five, six episodes, and all of a sudden four hours are gone by, but our attention spans haven't. So is it attention span that's, that's causing us to, or is it something else within the worship service that is not engaging? We're not meeting people's needs? I don't know. Because for me, keeping it at a certain time frame, an hour and a half, if I'm dealing with something good, I don't care if it goes two hours. Yeah. So is it, maybe it's the amount of time we can set aside on a Sunday morning. That's the, the hour and 15 minutes. Or is it attention span? I guess that's just a thought that I have. That Well, I do agree. If you're giving somebody quality presentation, I think that they'll sit with you longer. Mm-hmm. But I think you're also speaking, and don't take offense to this, but mm-hmm. I think some of it's your generation, okay. where your generation typically has that longer attention span. Okay. People in their um, 20s and 30s today, they say you've got them at length at max for 21 minutes. Okay. Otherwise, you've got to add a different type of element in to, okay. to keep them going. Okay. You know, and, and so I see both of those factors okay. playing into it. But I do agree. We don't just want to cut it just because of attention span. But I do think that if we're going to re- reach people well, we also have to keep some of those elements in yeah. mind. Okay. Because that was just a thought process because I know we can, and even the younger generation, I know they, they do those types of things too where they'll put four hours into something so I was just wondering, if it, is it the content or is it the lack of attention span yeah. that, that the younger generation may have? It was just a- well, and I think it is helpful, too, if, again, this goes back to worship style. If you've got somebody just sitting there for an hour and a half, yeah. they're going to fall asleep on yeah. you. But, you know, if you get them up moving around and they're actually doing something, mm-hmm. I think that helps as well. Yeah. And that's hard to do within a worship service, sure getting is. people other than getting up and greeting each other. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to you don't want them to get up and... Take a lap. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, um, I think it's incredibly healthy for us as believers to actively engage other worship styles from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, there are times where I will watch another um, church service or I will even go to a different place and just to see what it's like, yeah. you know, just to experience those things. Yeah. I, I have family that attends churches of different styles, and some of those things I find very, very beautiful in their mm-hmm. expression. I, I love to walk into some of your, you know, your older denominational churches and see the stained glass windows yeah. and the, you know, the artistry depicted, or you go into a cathedral and you see this, this monument created for the glory of God. I mean, mm-hmm. just the expression of the architecture itself is worship, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so all of those things are important. And I think, I think the heart of what we're trying to talk about today is that we all have our, our worship style that we're drawn to, but I think ultimately within the body of Christ, there's so much room for us to be able to appreciate yeah. the styles that other people are drawn to yeah. as well. Yeah, that, that's well put because we need to appreciate all the different styles, but knowing it's meeting other people's needs because that's what we're about is, is helping each other grow. And yeah. it's not just about, you know, what music I'm going to hear on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> if it is, then we're in the wrong place. And, and as soon as you schedule your polka, your polka okay. worship service, let me know and I'll be over here. Well, and... if you can get John Candy... <laughs> Which is going to be challenging on a couple of levels. <laughs> that, that could, so, that could be, well, maybe that's the one we get to witness up in the, the heaven. That would be that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, well, you know, Tim. Ultimately, we are okay knowing that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Yeah. We're still able to yeah. love everybody, even though that they're wrong. And so. every church thinks the same. Exactly. Thing. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for chatting about this. This yeah. was a lot of fun for all of you who are watching online. We want to say thank you, and we want to encourage you. Go ahead and share this with your Facebook friends so that they can be part of the conversation as well. If there's anything that we can be praying for you about, please leave a prayer request before we get off of here today. Just know that whatever your worship style or your preference, God has a place for you. 
Now, don't go throwing your weight around trying to make everyone bend to your will. Maybe have a little bit of flexibility. <laughs> but at the same time, know that there's a church out there that's going to allow you to experience God the way that you need to so that you can grow. Hope uh, you'll join us next time for, uh, for Mission Focused Life. And uh, keep growing, keep walking, and keep serving. Bless you.